2: your travel insurance
0: and prepare for takeoff hello fellow travelers hey, squadies. hey everybody welcome to episode 107 of the travel squad podcast today we're talking all about expert traveling tips This entire episode is packed with the best squad tips ever. We always say the tip counts,
1: so we're dedicating a whole episode to just the tips.
2: Tip always counts.
1: (laughs) We're constantly asked about how to choose places to visit, how we can afford the trips that we take, or how we manage to do all that we do in the short trips that we take. So I'm really excited to have all of our best pieces of advice and travel tips in this episode for you.
2: Yeah, we're sharing a lot of insight in this episode from expert tips, from the pre-planning process. process, money saving hacks, and certain things that will make your entire vacation experience run a lot smoother too. And one of my favorite things to do is talk with friends and anybody in general who wants to talk travel and throw out travel hacks and have them exchange it with us, us with them. So we're giving you all that insight here in this one episode and I'm excited.
0: So we're going to dive right into the pre-planning process, which is one of my favorite processes because I love to plan trips. And one of our biggest tips is to plan a rough draft of a daily itinerary and how you plan to get around. I love, like if I know that I'm going to a city, for example, I love to write down everything that I want to do in that city and then kind of group it by area so that I'm not going all over the place every single day. And then when I write everything down, that also helps me realize how many days I need in that area. if I need two days if I need three days because you never want to miss out on something but you also don't want to have a trip where you plan it and there's nothing for you to do on the last day
1: and sometimes your trip is only a certain amount of days that you have like it's a labor day weekend and you have three days and what can I do in those three days and then other times when we're planning like an international trip and it's a little more flexible that's when we do a ton of research and then see how many days we
2: need You know, it's funny, Brittany, you mentioned something and then it just made me think of a recent tweet that I saw that Kim had and talking about the pre-planning process. You said write a list of everything that you want to do and then group it together so there's not a lot of back and forth. You just had a tweet, Kim, talking about how you need to make a list of all your groceries and what section it's at in Trader Joe's so you're not running all around the Mm -hmm. store. So a travel hack and pre-planning tip can be put in real life. Now, I know Kim's really good in the pre-planning process. She knows that process and she realized early on, I need to apply that to my grocery store (laughs) shopping at Trader Joe's.
1: (laughs) The most efficient route to get in and get out. That's the Trader Joe's though. With traveling, you want to spend as much time there as possible. That's
2: true. But you don't want to hop all over the place. If you're going to be seeing multiple things that are in a certain area, you need to group it to that day or that certain afternoon or morning Mm -hmm. that you're going to be there, right? There's no point in going back and forth if you can avoid it.
0: And you also want to leave a little bit of flexibility in your schedule because things might pop up that you want to do and you want to be able to do them. If you are so strict on a timeline, then you might not be able to do everything. And then you might even disappoint yourself. So.
1: I always overestimate. So if something says it'll take you an hour to get there, I'll book in another half an hour, or an hour for bathroom breaks mm-hmm. or taking a wrong turn. Like when we're on trips together and we're like, what time should we wake up? And Brittany and I are like, okay, it takes an hour to get there then an hour for the hike and then an hour for lunch. And I'm always like, and then throw an hour in for bullshit.
0: Yeah, because like, we're going to stop and want food or someone's going to have to go to the bathroom mm-hmm. or whatever it is. You have to plan in that extra time.
2: Also with the pre-planning process, one of the things that we really love to do, especially when we're making our own itineraries, Is look online at guided tour companies to see their itineraries and what they do. So for example, when we went to Japan, we looked at our favorite Gate One travel company and we saw what their itinerary was. And a lot of the places that they went, for sure, we knew those places. They were gonna be on our list anyway. But they also have those off the beaten path places and things that locals will know. They have the hotels that they're gonna be staying at so you can get an idea of the hotels also, of what are good ones and And when we went to Xi'an, which is in China, also gate one, again, the hidden gyms, they take you to this one park where the locals work out in the morning and it's a whole like festival type thing that they do. Mm -hmm. And if you were just going to be planning something on your own and trying to find the sites and things to do, that wouldn't be on there. So those travel companies always have that hidden gem and it's really good to go from there and you can build off of their schedule and alter it and do whatever you want to do.
0: Yeah. Another tip too is anytime you're doing any traveling throughout a country, you're most likely going to have to take planes, trains, metros, all of that. Book those tickets in advance. It saves time and it also saves money as well. It can be really frustrating to get to a place and you didn't reserve something in advance and then maybe there's not another spot on the train. Mm -hmm. That would be terrible.
1: Or you have to take a less optimal route because the better routes already sold out.
0: Exactly. So buy those tickets for places or trains well ahead of time in advance.
1: Not just trains and planes and automobiles, but also any museums or tours or activities that you want to do. Definitely book that stuff in advance.
2: Yeah. You want to book it in advance for several reasons. For the reasons you said, you don't want it to be sold out, number one. But two, usually when you buy them in the line in advance, they're at a discounted price, so you're already saving money. And depending on how far out you are in the planning process or when you're going to go, even though, yes, you're spending money on these activities or train tickets or whatever, it's not money you're actually spending on the trip so that it adds up to feel like, oh my gosh, this is so much all at once. You're really Mm -hmm. spreading it out. So yes, you're going to spend that money, but it's not like, oh, I'm coming back. And now instead of spending $4,000, you've actually spent, oh, I've only spent three on the trip. And the other amount was spread out through however many months till I went. It makes it a lot more palatable that way in a sense.
0: When we went to France, we went to the Eiffel Tower. And when we got to the grounds, there were huge lines for tickets. And Mm. I mean, just the weight in the line could have taken someone and hour plus just to get a ticket it was the same way at the Rome Colosseum so we had our tickets in advance we bypassed the ticket line went straight up and we saved one time and money An interesting thing, too, was when we had bought our Eiffel Tower tickets, they said that we could get to the first and second levels of the Eiffel Tower, but that the third level was sold out. But once we were actually at the top of the second level, they had someone there managing like a station and we bought in cash to go up to the next level. So
1: that's a good point. When I was in Mexico City, we had booked a tour to go to Grutas Tolentongo and we booked it on Viator with a credit card and I guess I have two tips one they were only selling these in pairs which was weird so if you're a single person give them a phone call and you can book it you couldn't book it online as a single which is weird so go ahead and do that and then second we had somebody join our trip a few weeks later and he wanted to buy the ticket but he didn't end up doing it so the day before they're texting me on whatsapp about the details of when they're picking us up and I asked if we can add one more we paid in cash for him to join the tour last minute
0: Awesome. Those are great tips. And so going back a little bit to trains, planes and automobiles, (laughs) one thing that Jamal always does, and thank God for Jamal, because he's always on like the transportation aspect of our trips is he always looks to see if there are special prices for metros and things of that nature like when we were in London we were able to buy an Oyster card in advance and load it and that was a money saving tip same thing for Tokyo I had looked up Tokyo and you can get a three day metro pass and it was much cheaper you can go anywhere you want in those three days rather than paying like per metro trip and it was probably half the cost of what we would have paid if we paid for every single one individually
2: oh yeah so like the Oyster card in London you preload The price on there. So say I want to put you know 20 pounds on the card, for example. But basically, it's not 20 pounds, and I get to use it so many days at you know a flat cost. But when you have that card, it makes the fare that you are paying a reduced fare. So you're preloading it, and then your fare as you're utilizing it is actually at a lower cost. Where the reverse was true in Tokyo, you buy the three day metro pass, and like Brittany said, instead of paying per time you go, it's a flat rate. So I could use it however many times I want for the three days, two days, five days, whatever you wanted to do. And it's a great money-saving hack.
1: When I was in Italy, we pre-booked some of the train trips that we knew were going to be going from, say, Rome to Florence. But then there were other trips that we took that we didn't necessarily have planned, but just ended up booking. And when you booked online... There were some tickets that would automatically upgrade your ticket to the higher class seat in section. And when you pay at the kiosk, that is not an option that's available. So, it does pay to book online ahead of time.
2: Could get that upgrade.
1: Mhm. Get upgraded
0: for free. Fuck 'em hard.
2: Fuck 'em hard. hard. <laughs>
0: So we have so many more tips on the trip planning process, but we've really broken that down in episode 17. And that episode's all about how to plan a trip and save money while doing it. So if you haven't listened, please go back and listen to that section because it really breaks down the trip planning process as a whole. And
1: that's like the best way to pre-plan your trip, right? You start booking little things. So, you know, Saturday I'm doing this tour that's eight hours. So I know maybe I should plan a dinner. There you go. Now you have a tour and a dinner plan. The next day you're like, I have a free day. All right. These are Two museums I want to see I can jam them in on this day so you kind of build your itinerary as you start booking things. Mm-hmm. I I don't know about you guys if you would ever do this but the thought of going to a city with no plans in place and no hotels booked just gives me weird anxiety.
0: Yeah, that gives me a lot of anxiety. <laughs> I'm going to spend mostly.
1: You're going to spend half your time on your phone or walking around trying to find a place to stay or something to do or asking
0: questions. Yeah, and that's not how I want to spend my vacation. Mm-mm. Not at all.
2: And those are some just general pre-planning tips on how to figure out your itinerary. But keeping with that theme, also the pre-planning, you have to book your lodging. So Brittany, again, since you are the planner of the itinerary usually, why don't you dive us right into here on how we pick where we're actually staying?
0: I mean, it really depends on the area, but you want to be around where you're going to be going to the most. So either you want to be in the city center and you want to be able to be around all the attractions you want to do around you, or you want to be close to a metro line. Even if you're staying outside of the city, a good metro line that will connect you to everything you need in the city if you're looking to save money is also another great hack. Too.
1: Another option that I've done, not staying by the things we're going to see, choosing a place to stay based on how much it costs. So in Rome, for example, we stayed in in an area that a lot of backpackers stay. Mm -hmm. And it was semi-close to a train, which was nice, but we knew we were going to walk through Rome to the Colosseum and we actually wanted to do that so we could see the city, experience it. We didn't mind a 30-minute walk. right? So we were saving money and we were getting to see more of the town by intentionally staying away from stuff.
2: Brittany and I did something like that when we were staying in Amsterdam. We yep. stayed in a hotel that was outside of the center rink area of all the canals that they have out there and we did it for a couple of reasons. Same reason you said. We knew we kind of wanted to walk and explore and to the further out that you stay, the cheaper the hotel itself is. Going to be. And by cheaper, I don't mean it's a rundown place either, mm-hmm. just in terms of cost. That same branded hotel that we stayed at in city center would have been double the price. Mm-hmm. So we opted for that 30 minute walk. Then you get to explore those streets and off the beaten path places on your own. And Amsterdam's really quite interesting. They don't have any metro lines, they have above ground streetcars and trains that you can take throughout the city, but not like any metros. Whereas, again, when we were in London, we stayed in a place outside city center, right by a main metro line. So we're like, all right, it's going to take us 15 minutes on this line to get to city center, but we're not in city center. So we're saving the money and easy access to the metro line. So those are the things that you should really look at in terms of figuring out transportation also, but then also saving money on where you're going to be staying. And okay, you're not in the middle of the neighborhood, but it's not an inconvenience because you could get there fast and easy.
1: Definitely depends on how much time you have, what you're looking to do, what your budget is. I know when we went to Venice, I didn't wanna stay off the island where it's a lot cheaper and take the train in. We're only there for one night. I wanna stay right in the middle of it and spend a little bit more, but we went with Airbnb in that case. And I think that's another good tip is to look at all your options. Look at the hotels, look at the Airbnbs, look at every site to book on to compare the prices of the same place. And what's nice about Airbnb, I think in addition to it can often be more affordable is that you get more of like a local vibe, local experience when you're there. I know when we went to Venice, the Italian man opened up his place, gave us muffins to have for breakfast, told us where all the good places were to eat, and it was just a very local Italian vibe.
2: Yeah, if you get a good Airbnb host, they're going to give you that insider information of not necessarily, okay, yeah, here are touristy places, but these are also places that I like to go and I'm recommending to you. So you do get that experience. We actually have a whole episode on this, episode 79, where we talk about hotels versus Airbnb versus hostel versus timeshare. And so that episode really breaks down the pros and cons of each. And also, too, it really depends, like you were saying, for that authentic experience. If you're going to a place where it's known for the food and you know you're going to be eating out a lot also, right? Mm-hmm. You're not really going to want to cook for yourself. But if you're going to a place where obviously everywhere has food and restaurants, but the cuisine there isn't anything that it's known for, or to die for, you'll save money by staying in an Airbnb because you can actually cook for yourself if you wanted to do that on your trip. So That episode really dives into that, and it's all about that pre-planning process. Where am I staying and why? Pros and cons on each.
1: With Expedia, I know, and and maybe some other platforms do this too. If you pay when you book, sometimes you can get a discount off of the price versus say paying at the hotel when you get there. And I've also had Airbnb hosts that have messaged me after booking that will say, if you cancel, I'll give you this for say $200 less.
0: Yeah, because they have to pay Mm -hmm. like the platform a fee every time that they get booked through there. So they're trying to do it, you know, and save some money. And so even when we were in the U.S. Virgin Islands, our Airbnb host said, hey, if you know anyone um, that wants to come here and wants to use our Airbnb, give them my number direct. They can book directly and it'll save them some money. And it was I felt like for the U.S. Virgin Islands, it was already cheap and like a good price. So what an even better deal. But while you're booking, it's always important to make sure that you're booking places that have flexible cancellation policies. You never want to get stuck and have to cancel your trip and then not be able to get the money back. So make sure that you're always booking places that have pretty flexible cancellation policies. You can even filter for that on Expedia, Airbnb, etc.
2: Especially now in the days of COVID.
0: Yeah. Or you never know when a random worst
1: in a 100 year snowstorm is going to roll in overnight. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) That happened to us one of my biggest pre-planning tips that i could give you guys is notify your banks of travel you'd be surprised how many people go overseas and don't tell their banks that they're actually going and then they use their atm card to try to pull out money or try to use their credit card and then they're denied access and now you have to make an international call and try to get a hold of your bank or go online get internet access and put that notification in there it'll save you a lot of hassle so you don't get that fraud warning and hinder your ability to purchase things in that moment if you absolutely. Absolutely have to can't wait. So do notify your banks of travel. I can't tell you how many people I've heard don't do that. And it just blows my mind. And then they always have that story. Yeah, I got flagged for fraud. Well, of course,
1: yeah, I've been denied drinks at a pool party in Las Vegas, even and that's only a five hour drive of travel because the banks will shut your car down even traveling in between states.
2: That is very true, but it's really funny. They look for those random things that should be fraud or something abnormal. And I don't know what about that is abnormal that they saw on your account, Kim. By they drinks. probably
1: <laughs> saw a $50
0: drink price tag and thought that cannot be normal.
2: Maybe that's what it was.
0: Could be that. Another important thing to do is to print your documents, make copies of your passports, credit cards, hotel reservations. Sometimes the internet doesn't work or you're in a place without service or you might lose something. It's always good to have copies on hand. Before every trip, Jamal prints out all of those documents and we carry it in a folder in our backpack while we travel. And don't just print them out, but keep your eye on them throughout the trip. You know, as a 10-day trip
1: goes on, you could lose this paperwork. When we were coming back from Mexico this weekend, I'm going to call out Chelsea. I don't know what she did with her paperwork that she printed out, but she was having trouble with her phone accessing internet, so she couldn't find her confirmation number for the flight, so she couldn't check in, so she had to wait in this huge long line to get a boarding pass printed because she lost her paperwork, and then she also lost her return CVX pass, so she had to buy another pass to cross back the border. So wasted money, wasted time, and a lot of added stress if you lose your paperwork.
2: Well, don't lose the paperwork and lose the online booking. But if you can't find it electronically, that's why the paperwork is important. So Mm -hmm. you actually have that physical access to it. If you can't access the Wi-Fi, you know, God forbid a wallet gets stolen or you lose it for that matter. Yeah. And if you have to call your credit card company and say, my stuff is lost and stolen, cancel it. You know, now you actually have the number for the credit card company, your credit card number. So you have all that information to provide to them. You lose a passport. You could go to the embassy. This is my stuff. I've lost it. It makes the whole process easier. If you have it, God forbid, the worst is to happen.
1: You know, it's true. I mean, your phone and your wallet can both get stolen. That's true. All you're going to have is that printed paperwork That's to get true. you back.
2: <laughs> I've had a phone stolen. I know all about it, Kim.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Also, travel medical is so, so important, especially again in the day and age of COVID. This is a pre-planning thing that you must, must do, especially if you're going international. A lot of countries now require you to prove that you have health insurance that covers COVID. If you are traveling internationally, it's a requirement and stipulation for you to get in the country. On our website, TravelSquadPodcast.com, we have a link for you that you can actually purchase your travel medical insurance, but I never travel internationally without getting this. So you guys should too. It puts your mind at ease and it's a great thing to have.
0: One of your clients that purchased it from you, Jamal, chipped his tooth and took advantage of the insurance, didn't he?
2: Oh, yeah. He was in another country. He had that issue happen to him. He was able to go to the dentist, get reimbursed. They did his filling cap, all that stuff. So, I mean, it's not even just like medical. Oh, I'm in the hospital. It covers those little miscellaneous things like that also.
0: Yeah. Another part of the pre-planning process is researching currency. I mean, there's so many different things, like how much cash did you bring versus can you use your credit card there? For example, Japan. Japan is a cash-based society. And every time we went out to a restaurant, they didn't accept card. You had to pay for cash versus a lot of places in Europe, we could use card pretty much everywhere. And then at the same time, it's always good to travel with some cash just to have it on hand. I mean, I remember when we went to South Africa, someone on our group didn't bring cash and they needed American cash to get the visa Mm -hmm. to go into Zimbabwe and they didn't have cash available to them.
2: You should always travel with cash, number one, but... In terms of us, you know, I always like to use credit card if I can because I get points, so why not utilize that? But again, to what you're saying, Japan, cash-based society, lots of places are cash-based society. Yes, if you're staying at a hotel, they're going to take credit card. But vendors on the streets, small mom-and-pop shops, you know, they want that cash where, again, you gave the equivalent to Europe and other places, too you could use the card more freely. So it's good to have that general knowledge going in.
0: And if you are going to use a credit card, make sure to use one that has no foreign transaction fees so that you're saving money.
2: Yes. And speaking in the theme of cards, still one thing to look at in the pre-planning process. Is it better to take your cash and exchange it at a money exchange place or pull money from the ATM? Now, most people don't realize this. When you use an ATM in another country, it's really going to give you the even exchange rate. But ATMs have fees, right? So it's up to you to kind of really do that research. Okay, the ATM has a fee. I'm going to pay this much money to get an even exchange rate. But if I take my physical currency and exchange it, they take a commission on it too. Mm -hmm. So find that balance and really figure that out. As an example, in Latin America, they would prefer to have dollars. So sometimes the exchange of physical cash will be better for you than pulling from an ATM. Whereas in Europe, they're like, well, we have euros, their currency is strong, they don't really care. So it's actually better to pull from the ATM because they charge a high commission to change your US dollars to their currency.
1: Yeah, it really depends. But either way, you're going to lose a little bit of money, but it's not a ton that you need to be like super concerned over. You can also exchange money with your home bank if you do it a few days ahead of time and they're going to take a fee as well. And then you can enter into that country already having the currency.
2: Yeah. One of my favorite things to do, though, if I do pull from the ATM is when I come back from the trip, I just ask my bank if they could waive that ATM fee and I have a 90% success rate of them actually doing it. So you won't get the fee waived from the ATM that you actually pull from, but your bank will institute a fee on you too. Just ask them to waive it. More often than not, they probably will.
1: I've also noticed in other countries, their ATM fees are a lot lower than the US. Like over here, we could have like a 4 or $5 non-bank ATM fee. Mm-hmm. I was in Mexico and it was a dollar.
0: Well, I think it really depends on where you're at because some places in Europe, they hike it up. But like in Latin American countries, it's not so expensive. So I think it really depends on the region you're mm-hmm. traveling to. Hey travelers, let's take a quick detour to talk all about our traveler itineraries that we've created just for you. We now have six different trip itineraries, one week in Kauai, an American Southwest
2: weekend or road trip, a week in Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks,
0: a road trip adventure featuring all three of Washington State's national parks,
2: Big Island, Hawaii, and an Arizona road trip that features all three of Arizona's national parks.
1: We are obsessed with these. These itineraries are 20 to 30 page PDF guides with every detail of the trip laid out. We're talking where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance prices, where to eat, and driving distance between attractions plus what things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend and their mileage and the time to allow for each one and so much more.
0: We have story highlights on our Instagram at Travel Squad Podcast where you can see the full guides. We've done all of the research and have taken these exact trips, taking out all of the guesswork from the planning, so all that you have to do is show up and have fun.
2: Purchase your comprehensive Travel Squad Podcast itinerary on our website at TravelSquadPodcast.com Best of all, they're on sale right now for $30, so travel on over and get yours today.
0: But while we're on the topic of money, we're going to dive into some more money-saving hacks and how this can save you time and make your life easier when you're there. And one of those tips that we have for you is to recheck your hotel prices, your rental car prices, your flight prices, especially if if you have these amenities that you can cancel and rebook. Sometimes you can call the hotels directly and see if they can beat the online price. Southwest always has sales, so I'm always watching to see if they have a sale because then I can cancel my original flight, rebook it, and then get the balance in a travel fund. And you can save a lot of money that way.
2: Yeah. And on the rental cars, we've mentioned it so many times, but it's worth repeating again. That's why we are. I don't know if you book direct with car rental companies like Hertz, Budget, Direct as an example. We as Costco members book our rental car through Costco. So there is no money to be paid up front. We just make the reservation. You pay when you pick it up but we'll book the rental car in advance and maybe once a week until the trip actually comes, we'll go back online, check the prices. Sometimes, and more often than not, we'll find that the rental car price has dropped. So let's say we're going somewhere for a weekend, they're charging $150 for the rental car, and now, oh, it's only $115. Well, we're gonna cancel that original reservation and we're gonna book it for the 115. So you save money that way too, so do check that out.
0: Another tip for you is to consider traveling in off-seasons. We love to travel in shoulder seasons. One, I don't really like crowds, so it's a great way to avoid the crowds. But also, it's often cheaper because prices will drop because it's spring or fall. And so you can save money that way when you travel in the off-season. And you know what? It's just as beautiful when you go during that time. Prices for different
1: experiences or excursions could also be cheaper in the off-season.
2: Always. I mean, it makes sense. If a business knows more people are going to be here at a certain time, why would they not charge more? And if less people are going to be there to encourage people to come, they lower the prices. Makes sense. I love traveling in shoulder season. And also, I mean, we touched upon this earlier in the pre-planning process, but it's worth repeating again, especially if we're talking money-saving hacks. Want to repeat it. Pay for those museums and attractions beforehand. They always have sales online. They're usually cheaper and discounted when you purchase them ahead of time. And again, you save time because you don't have to wait in line at the place to purchase the tickets.
1: And we always talk about using a credit card with really good travel points and travel perks. And not only do you get to build points that you can then redeem for hotels or flights or whatever in the future, but when you book your trips with the credit card, there's little hidden perks that come with it. Like, travel medical insurance to a certain degree of coverage. There's also trip insurance. that if something happens to your booking, you can get your money back through them.
0: Lounges. Lounges have free food, free drinks. If you don't have to pay for a meal in an airport, that's amazing because airport prices are more expensive. And I actually recently got the Chase Sapphire Preferred card and they were offering the most points that they've ever offered before. If you spent a certain number of dollars in the first three months, they were offering $100,000 thousand bonus points. And the annual fee is only like $95. And so when I redeem that for travel, it's over $1,200 worth of travel. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing.
2: So for $95, you're going to get $1,200 worth in travel for that. So Always look at those credit cards offering those perks, especially if you're not abusing the credit cards and going to have issues with taking it out and purchasing on it. They're really, really good money-saving devices.
0: And most travel credit cards have no foreign transaction fees. That's usually one of the biggest perks that they have as well. So make sure the card that you're looking at has that. And if you want some more information on travel credit cards, go back, listen to episode 67. We give you some of the best travel cards that are out today.
2: Speaking of the perk game here, find hotels with perks. And the first one I'm going to say right off the bat, find one with a free breakfast buffet, or if not a buffet, just a free breakfast in general. But what a perk. You're saving money in that sense already. Don't have to buy breakfast.
1: You're saving time too, of going out and finding a place to
0: eat. Yes, you are. Absolutely.
1: When I was in Mexico this weekend or two weeks ago now, the hotel that we were staying in came with free mini bar.
0: Ooh,
2: Free mini bar.
1: And every day they restocked it.
2: That is the best hotel perk I've ever heard of free there was mini no bar. no free breakfast but there was free mini bar that makes up for it yeah that mm-hmm.
0: makes up for it definitely and,
2: and let me tell you something though if you're in mexico i wouldn't want to have a free breakfast at a hotel in mexico because i would want to go out and actually eat real authentic food for breakfast you
1: know what they did have a breakfast buffet but you had to pay for it i think it was like 13 bucks and i went in to scope it out one day and it looked amazing
2: i'm sure it did but no it had
1: a lot of authentic mexican food in it, it too but okay. and i was planning to get it the next day or last day mm-hmm. but i was way too hungover and could not wake up early <laughs>
2: See, but the (laughs) counter to that, though, even though $13 for a buffet is a really good price, especially if you're Mm -hmm. saying the food looked good and it was really authentic. Oh,
1: and there was mimosas and micheladas.
2: Nice. Mm -hmm. But you know very well in Mexico, you could go to a restaurant and get a legit breakfast for like $5 to $8 also too. Very true.
1: That's not the only perk that hotels come with, though. I've definitely seen different like wine or beer hours offered at some hotels. They often will pick you up from the airport Mm -hmm. or give you a ride back to the airport, which is really cool. And then, you know, there's just different amenities like pool. You, you can have a pool day and that's built into your itinerary of what you want to do. Or maybe they have discounts on different excursions that they offer if you book through them. They also usually
0: offer free robes, which you can't beat that. Oh, my God. Every place in Japan that we stayed at had free robes to wear while you're there and slippers. Technically, Amazing. they were
2: kimonos, Brittany.
0: Yeah, I guess they were kimonos.
2: But a kimono was a robe. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Another
1: money saving tip is... The day that you fly does matter. You can save a lot of money by flying on a Tuesday morning compared to a Thursday evening. So my recommendation, I really like to use Google Flights and plug in where you're going and then start picking days using the calendar feature, but kind of keep it open. You'll be able to see how the prices change day by day. And how it changes based on the combination of days that you choose to fly out and fly back in on. And you can just identify where the prices are going to be cheaper. There's different settings you can set for excluding certain airlines or only looking at one airline. You can make it so it's you're only looking at nonstop flights. Because sometimes when you're searching in there, you'll see it say like 120 is the cheapest of all this month, right? Right. And then you click on it and it's like a 15 hour two stop flight for something that could be direct three hours. So definitely put the settings in that you're looking for first and then run it.
0: That's a really good tip because, you know, sometimes I see those really good prices and I'm like intrigued and then I see it's going to take me 15, 18 hours mm-hmm. and I'm like, mm, no, not worth it. Time and money. You have to balance that.
2: That's true. But that calendar feature is clutch because you could really look at it and time accordingly. I mean, if you're trying to go somewhere on a weekend trip or a holiday weekend, I mean, that's not really going to do anything for you on that end. But if you're really planning an actual vacation and you're flexible on the day that you're going to be able to leave because, oh, it's just going to be seven days. Yeah. Why not do it midweek when it's going to be substantially cheaper? Or if you can extend it a day and you're going to save $300 on an airline ticket Mm -hmm. from Monday to Tuesday, why would you not?
1: Yeah, we've definitely come back from trips. I know as a squad where we could come back on a Sunday night late or we could come back really early on a Monday morning before work. And we save so much money that we do Monday. It's actually worth spending another night in the place to get that much of a discount.
0: Right, especially as we travel as a squad, we're gonna split the hotel. And so we're splitting the hotel price three, four ways sometimes versus, you know, if the flight home on Sunday night is $50 more per person, that adds up pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. But as we're talking about flights, you know, not only do the day of the week matter on when you book the flight, but when you actually book the flight, how far in advance you book the flight out. Because if you book a flight out, You know, six months in advance, you're probably going to get pretty good prices. Past that, the prices may not be so good, but then if you're booking something within like three months, the prices are going to continue to rise as you get closer and closer and closer to the date. Yeah,
1: I've watched a lot of flights. And it does seem like once you hit three months, you're probably not going to get the best rate you could have had you been looking at it for a few months ahead of time. And with Google, when you're doing that search, and you find which route you want to take, you can select a button to watch that flight. And every day it will send you an email with what that price is going for or what that Mm -hmm. flight price is going for. And so if it's been 600, all of a sudden you see it at 400, you know, you need to book it right away, book
0: that flight.
2: And I know it seems kind of counterintuitive. We're talking the close you get here the more expensive it's going to be but we're talking about for flights so when if you're remembering back when we said keep checking that hotel the rental car other things to see if they've gone on sale usually sometimes they do the closer you get but flights i feel like that's not the case at all unless it's just all of a sudden a flash sale for whatever reason
1: yeah i would say there are sales that pop up in say the eight months before that you're looking to fly but then. The three months is like the rare flash sale.
0: Mm -hmm. Another money-saving tip, and we've used this all the time, is sometimes when you're looking at that sale, let the sale dictate your trip and where you're going to go to. You might have a huge list of places that you want to go, but just put in those different destinations if they match up for that time of the year. If there's a sale for that, jump on it. We just recently jumped on a sale for Hawaii. And we've been to Hawaii a few times in the last few years. It's not a new place to us, but it was a different island. But the sale was so good we couldn't pass it up. I mean, round trip for Jamal and I, we literally paid less than $100 for our round trip tickets. That's crazy.
2: But... Again, we've talked about it before. We let a sale dictate our trip to Boise. We were seeing things that we kind of wanted to go, but then the sale was there and we're like, all right, well, we're just gonna have to book it even though it wasn't like we wanna go there right now. But why would you not? And again, sometimes those unsuspecting places are places you have no preconceived notions of what I wanna do or what there is to do there. You're gonna have a really good time. Obviously, you're gonna do this pre-planning research that we're talking about here to make it so it's not that anxious-induced fear That you just said Kim of going somewhere not knowing exactly what to do and having to figure it out when you're there But you'll have a good time if you let the sale dictate that trip
1: Then, when you get there you have already planned your trip. It's amazing. You've saved a ton of money We have a couple of tips for how to make your life easier while you're there and while you're navigating around
0: first tip that we have for that is to use and utilize the offline map feature on google maps we talk about this in most episodes and we pertain it a lot to like hiking in remote areas it'll work perfectly well for that but it'll also really work well when you're out of the country as well because a lot of the times you don't want to pay for internet in another country so you might not have data or access to that so if you put offline maps and you download the area that you're going to be in usually i just do like a whole big city area or some times if the country's small enough you can download the map for the entire country and you can navigate yourself around the country at any point in time regardless of if you have service or not
2: yeah so it's really great to have it functions as if you are online so that you can help navigate yourself and Brittany's talking about in cities but if you're going out in nature also for example you know going on a hike here in the U.S. or even internationally There's not going to be service anyway, even if it's not an issue of paying for data or having access to it. So do download that. And keeping with the theme of downloading Google things, download Google Translate. This is more particular if you're going internationally. So just like offline maps, you can download Google Translate. And basically, if you're going to a country, you don't know the language, you don't have data, this is going to help you get around. And you just put in what you want to say and translate, and it will translate it to your preferred language. And you don't need the data or service for that because you've downloaded the language.
1: And then I think the best tip while you're in a place is to talk to the people that are around you. Ask them for directions. Ask them what's the best place to eat in. If you have an Airbnb host, they're going to be more than happy to give you all of the local information. Mm -hmm. That's really where you're going to find the hidden gems, the best restaurants, the non-touristy things that are going to make your trip special.
0: When we were in the U.S. Virgin Islands, our Airbnb host told us that it was going to be lobster night at one of the restaurants down the street. And you had to have reservations. And we called and they're like, no reservations. We're all booked up for the night. So we thought we were out of luck. And we told our Airbnb host, we're like, oh, we'd love to go there. But they said that they're all out of reservations. He literally called them up and said, hey, I have these people that are running from me. Please squeeze them in for tonight and he got us a reservation there nice yeah he
2: was a regular and friends with the owners however even if it doesn't go that far and your host is friends with the owners of the restaurant to be able to get you in that's still a good tip that he gave us of that place had lobster night that's not anything i've ever seen online when we were doing our research and it's probably one of those insider local things that people know Mm -hmm. that he was able to share with us
0: so is there anything else we want to dive into before we get into questions of the week i mean we covered a lot of really good tips right now. And
1: I think the biggest tip is just do it. Do it. Do it. We gave you the tips. Now do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Questions of the week, everybody. We have two questions today. So thank you for sending those in. The first one is, I am planning a trip to New York City. It's really
0: expensive. What do you recommend I do to save on cost? My biggest tip for that is look up the free things to do. I mean, Central Park is completely free. Also, you may not want to stay in downtown Manhattan because that is a really expensive area. You might want to stay in like Brooklyn or some of the other. Long Island City is also very close to Manhattan, just a short metro
1: away. And much, much more affordable.
0: Yeah. So look up the free things to do. Stay in an area that isn't right in downtown, but you can still access downtown really quickly and easily.
2: I was going to say what you just said references back to a tip that we gave earlier. New York, I'm sure we all know, has a solid subway system. Stay outside the city and it's going to be cheaper for you and you have that quick access in. So,
1: Well, that's another good tip. Use the subway. Don't bother with Uber and Lyft. Save money by using the subway. Absolutely. And there is so much to see from the buildings. You can take the free ferry over to Staten Island, Staten Island and see you can Staten Island dump. You can see that and you can also see the Statue of Liberty. So there's a lot of stuff you can see for free in New York and actually not have to spend much money at all.
2: I haven't done this in New York, but I can imagine there are many of them and probably really good ones. And this isn't just for New York. This is for anywhere. But I feel like it would be really good in New York. Look into free walking tours. Kim loves a free walking tour. Ooh. I love a free walking tour too. But at the same time, you can have a real good one in New York, and I guarantee you, you're gonna get like a different type of history perspective of the mm-hmm. person who's giving it to you. So it's more getting insider information and the history that'll make the trip even more enjoyable.
1: I bet you there are some good-looking New York City accent men who are giving those walking tours
0: <laughs> right up <your> here. <laughs> So we have another question of the week, and it says, I've never been out of the country. What would be a good place to visit for my first trip?
1: And that's, that's, a, that's a good question.
0: That's a really good question. Yeah. If you're nervous
1: about navigating the world, and language is obviously a big part of that, then maybe start with a international country that also speaks English, or English is widely used.
0: Like Canada or the UK.
2: Well, not even for the language, but even for the culture, even though it's going to be different, it's still a little bit the same of American culture in a way.
0: Yeah, when we went to the UK when we were in London, I mean all of the signs are in English, so you can get around really easily. but you know they do have a different accent and it's a different culture so it's still really fun.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Canada, their accents not too much different, but it's probably the most American like place. But I would also say if you want a little bit more of the international experience with a little bit of culture change, There are a lot of countries out there that even though they are nothing like American, they do not speak English. English is widely used. Peru was a big one. The Philippines. Thailand. There's a lot of places out there that actually
2: you can get by just fine with English.
0: Yeah. In the Philippines, there's a lot of signs in English, actually. It's very interesting. Same with Thailand. Yeah.
2: You know, the many times that we've been to the Philippines, Brittany, I feel like every sign and everything is in English. The only thing I heard in the native language was the news when it would come on at night. But rest assured, you could walk into any hotel and speak English and don't even have to feel bad about the fact that you're not even trying to speak in their native language. Like that's how prevalent it is over there. So Philippines and a lot of those other countries in Asia, like you mentioned Thailand also, they'll give you that different cultural experience. But with the comfort of not having to worry about a language barrier.
0: Well, those are really good questions thank you guys for submitting those and thank
1: you so much for tuning into our episode this week we hope that you are learning something we hope that we're inspiring you to travel keep the adventures going with us on our instagram and youtube at travel squad podcast and send us in more of your questions of the week
2: if you found the information in this episode to be useful or if you thought we were just plain funny please be sure to share it with a friend that would enjoy it too and as always, please subscribe, rate and review our podcast and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes.
0: Stay tuned for next week's episode. We have some more amazing adventures and tips in store for you.
2: Bye, everybody. Bye.
0: Bye.